0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, church. We are so excited to start a brand new series uh, this month of April. Uh, April is supposed to bring warmer weather, but uh, we're still waiting for that. But we had a fabulous march, and w- did you enjoy your march? Yeah, and uh, so did I, and. Uh, great to be here this morning and especially want to welcome all of you if you're visiting for the first time uh, we're so excited that you could join us in the service it's our desire to really help you to connect with other members of the body as well but most importantly to connect with Jesus Christ Uh, we believe that he's real and he wants to have a real personal relationship with you Uh, this morning before we get into the message I just want to as a encouragement to you remind you that this week is is primary elections on april 5th and it's important that we do our duty and and i don't necessarily like to get political from the pulpit but i do want to urge you to be biblical as far as the responsibility that you have as a citizen of this nation and and that is one important thing is to vote and it's interesting uh why do you vote? Why, why do we vote in this nation? It's really to protect our freedom. It's to protect life, liberty, and justice for all, which is what our constitution declares. And, and, and it's interesting, I just want to share a, a statistic here. Lower a low voter turnout leads to bad government. And so, yeah, and somebody really had a reaction over that one. <laughs> you can't expect things to change for the better if you don't vote, so my encouragement is to vote. Uh, if you don't vote, don't complain about things. And bad officials are elected because good citizens don't vote. Okay, so just do your part. Uh, we have uh, uh, some nonpartisan voter guides at the service center if you care to pick one up. Uh, and There's a couple of websites that you can go to to find out uh, biblically and as a Christian, what is our responsibility, the uh, Family Research Council as well as the Wisconsin Family Action, are two great sites to to really find that biblical premise of what we do as citizens of this nation when it comes to voting. And so with that said, I do have some humor for you, but I I really had a hard time this week finding something that I thought would be really relevant. Um, And and so I, I thought I would suggest that you have an open mind this morning. But the problem with having an open mind is that people will insist on coming along and just putting things in it, any old thing in it. And so my uh, advice is is don't have just an open mind, have a discerning mind Uh, because sometimes uh, if we're teachable, it doesn't mean we're gullible. And so have an open mind. Uh, So my joke this morning, that was kind of precursor to the joke. Um, There was this uh, family that was getting together and, and one of the daughters piped up and said, oh, mom, leftovers again? Oh, you know. and I don't know about you. Do you like leftovers? Yeah. yeah, it depends what they are. If it's been leftover, leftover, leftovers, I don't care for that. If it's got green stuff growing on it, then I usually leave that alone, or it goes in the trash. But so this this girl's complaining about leftovers. So um, so the the mom says, okay, just for that, you know, we you need to be thankful that you even have food to eat. There's people starving around the world and, and going without meals. And so for that. You're going to pray. Why don't you pray over the food? And so her prayer went this way. Lord, thank you for this meal again. (laughs) Because we already prayed for it once, but we thank you for it again. So, yeah, leftovers. Do you have to pray over leftovers? Probably not because you already prayed over them. Anyway. So, uh, now don't start a new trend in your family, okay, when it comes. Oh, we don't have to pray tonight because these are leftovers, okay. Anyway, now uh, the pessimist. I hope we don't have pessimists here, but if, if the pessimists may be right in the long run, you know, sometimes pessimists, they, they're just accurate in, in their view of things and uh, as they appraise the situation, but really it's the optimist that has a better time during the trip. So uh, even though the pessimists may be right, the optimists will have a better time as they go through their life. But anyway, what is essence? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Essence, if we want to really look at it, and and I think Nathan, when we were getting together for a warm-up before the service, he had a great definition. I should have him come up here and share it. It was better than mine, okay? But essence is the quality of something that determines its character, Okay? When we consider essence when referring to a person, it refers to one's person's character makeup and the qualities and attributes that make a person who they are. Uh, And it's, it's about their reputation. Essence is really about who you are. Now, God's essence is revealed through the expression of his character and through his attributes. And it's realizing that his essence cannot be contained in the sentence or even a paragraph. Uh, however, it's revealed by the word, by the word of God, through his creation, what we see around us, by what he has done, he, earning his reputation, and also having a personal encounter and a personal relationship with him. And, and so uh, that's, that's important to know when we think about essence and God's essence so this month's focus is really on the character of God and his attributes when we bring, break it down as we consider God's essence we discover who he is and what he desires to do in our life because God really wants to do something in your life even today even in the time that we're gathering together God wants to accomplish something in your life and, and really it's you cooperating with him and allowing him to do what he wants to do because he'll not force himself upon you but we need to welcome what he wants to do in our life and if we do oh my he will move he will move extraordinary he can do things that that can just blow people's minds now i want to take you to a portion of scripture we see in the book of job if you have your bibles you can look at that in job chapter 11 verse 7 job chapter 11 verse 7 and we're going to look at here a statement by a man called zophar now zophar the Nalamite, nailethite this is kind of a mouthful zophar the nailethite actually posed this question he was one of job's comforters if you re- recall the story job was this guy that he had it made he was wealthy he had a beautiful wife had a big family i mean everything was going well for him he was well respected well known in the community and he had just a turn of events and everything went bad anything that could have went wrong went wrong he lost everything his children were killed i mean it was a disaster this man was broken and then physically he began to deal with things and his life as far as he thought was ruined and he was wondering god why is this happening to me and so zophar was one of those people that came along it was going to give him some advice and so this is what This is actually the New English translation. He poses this question. Can you discover the essence of God? Can you find out the perfection of the Almighty? Now, this is really the question that we're posing this whole month. Can can we discover, can we know the essence of God? Now, these are questions that I believe we have answers to. And as we look to the Word, we're going to see and have insight and revelation so that these answers, this answer, uh, this question can be answered. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the ministry of your Word. I thank you for the truth that brings freedom in our lives. I thank you for everyone, even under the sound of my voice, that as they hear the Word, it will cause truth to explode and revelation and understanding to come forth in their lives. We pray, Lord God, that you would reveal more and more of your essence to us in our personal experience with you. And as we live out our lives, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, atheists, it's very interesting. Atheists will ask ask a Christian to define what God is. But they'll say, but don't define or describe him by his attributes. But just tell me what his essence is. Because maybe they don't see him as a real person. But yet, um, we realize you can't describe someone's essence without defining their attributes or their character. And so, to understand his essence, we have to consider his character. We have to consider his attributes. Now, the character of God, unfortunately, has been often misrepresented by those who claim to follow him. You know, so often, and and, and something that's a real strong conviction in my life, I don't want to misrepresent who, who Jesus is to the world or to others. I want to represent Jesus as he is. Not as some religious icon, not as somebody who's judgmental, not as somebody who is portrayed in a manner that's different from what we see in the scripture. I want to portray Jesus as I live my life, accurately, So people can look at me and they can know what Jesus is like because they know me in a personal relationship. And really, when you understand it, and I I don't want to puff myself up in any way. That's not my intent and, and that's not my deal. But it's understanding that we are a representative of Jesus Christ in how we live our lives. And see, I have a conscious awareness of that all the time, that I'm representing Jesus wherever I am. And, and my, my greatest, one of my greatest areas of weakness is when I'm behind the wheel. And, and I thought putting pasty plates in the back would, yeah, that'll help me, but when you see the pasty plate and it just kind of goes past you really quick, and say, boy, he's kind of going fast. Now, um, I won't tell him. my wife. She actually has the lead foot in the family. And, and that's partly why I have um, picked up um, not my speed <laughs> But anyway, no, I, I'm just saying there's, there's areas where we fall short, okay? And so sometimes we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. But yet our intent should be to really accurately represent Jesus for who he is and what he does. Now, the character of God has, uh, when we, we, we look at it, we understand that no one attribute is more important than the other when we're looking at God. There's no priority when it comes to the attributes, no rank of superiority, All of his attributes and character traits together equal one true God. And together they form the whole. We're moving one attribute and uh, then the whole doesn't exist. So we see God as complete and whole. But yet he is revealed in in, in a number of attributes and character traits. Uh, Now we understand that each attribute is essential and each one is related to another. And when we look at somebody's character, character I've heard once defined as the sum total of who you are as a person. It's the sum total of who you are as a person that makes up your character, okay? And so Hebrews 1.3, we see another verse, and this is also in the New English translation, that talks about God's essence or the essence of Jesus. It says the Son, Hebrews 1.3, is the radiance of his glory and the representation of his essence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. And so when he had accomplished cleansing for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So here we see that even Jesus came. and In fact, Jesus made a statement. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And here we see that Jesus is the very essence, the radiance of God himself. So we can come to know what God is life like when we consider Jesus and look at him. Now, when we look at God, we can, I'm gonna make a number of statements about God and who he is. God is spirit. God is light. God is true. God is good. God is personal. God is triune. God is constant. God is omnipresent. That means he's ever-present. God is eternal. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. God is um all-powerful, God is holy, God is righteous, God is just, God is wise, God is love, God is merciful, and God is full of grace. So all of these are words that describe the character and the attributes of the God that we serve. Now, because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the representation of his essence. Let's see what else the scripture says about Jesus. And today we want to explore the attributes of mercy and grace. God's mercy and grace. These two combined together. What does that accomplish in your life, in my life? In John 1.14, and I I love this verse. This is a very classic verse. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus was this man, God in the flesh, that was full of grace. He, he was grace. He represented and exhibited grace at a level like no other. And dropping down a few verses in, first, in John chapter 1 at verse 16, it says, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ so the law basically came to show us where we were messed up the law came to show us where we were wrong where we are now convicted because we've broken the law but god just didn't leave us with the law that's why he sent jesus to bring grace and truth so there was a way, even when the law was broken, that we could be redeemed, that we could have help so that we could overcome. Now let's look closer at God's mercy and grace. For there are two attributes of his character that make up his essence. Now, it's interesting because the word mercy is found 275 times in the New King James version of the Bible. Mercy is found more in the book of Psalms, actually 100 times, than any other book of the Bible. So if you want to find out about God's mercy, read the book of Psalms. Um, and now mercy has four, is used four more times, has four more verse, times as many verses in the Old Testament than the New Testament. So we understand that mercy is really emphasized in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. And God's mercy is really his loving kindness that he displays towards us. And so mercy is is a prominent theme of the Old Testament. Um, And actually, grace is found in 145 verses of the New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, Grace is found more in the book of Romans, actually 20 times in the book of Romans than any other book of the Bible. In fact, grace has six more times it's used six more times in the New Testament than in the Old so that's that's pretty interesting there it's it's only found 21 times in the Old Testament but 124 in the New Testament so we see an emphasis the New Testament emphasizes grace the Old Testament emphasizes mercy but yet the two together are virtually important or vitally important I should say now it's important to note that God's mercy preceded his grace. People are often confused in their understanding of mercy and grace. While the terms actually have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same. And so let me put it this way by sharing a few statements with you. God's mercy and grace can be viewed as two sides of a coin. It's the same coin, but there's two sides of that coin. Mercy, and you might wanna write this down if you're taking notes, Mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Do you follow me? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Let me explain that a little further for you. Uh, mercy is not being punished, even though we deserve to be punished, okay? Um, and grace is God's blessing. Us, despite the fact that we do not deserve his blessing, okay? So that's the, the greatest difference between mercy and grace. God's mercy is extended. I, I deserve death. I deserve eternal separation from God. I deserve hell. <coughs> Excuse me, I am overcoming a little cold this morning. Um, you know, it's, we deserve hell, but God's mercy says, no, you don't have to go there. Even though you deserve it, you're not gonna get hell because I'm offering and extending you my grace. And so grace, uh, we get what we don't deserve, we get heaven. We don't deserve heaven, we haven't earned heaven, we can't work for heaven, but it's given to us by God's grace because he's merciful. Now, mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending kindness, favor, and privilege for the undeserving. See, we have the right now to be children of God because of God's grace. Grace is receiving what we have not worked for, what we really haven't earned, or what we don't even deserve. That's God's grace. I mean, I thank God for his grace. I don't deserve the wife I have, the kids I have. I don't deserve so much. And I look at it as, God, this is your grace. I don't deserve all this, but but you gave it to me. You saw fit to give it to me. Grace is receiving, actually, mercy is an expression of God's love for fallen and sinful mankind. Grace is extending favor towards us, favor that we don't deserve. And God's mercy is his goodness and loving kindness towards us. That's what it means. In fact, the Greek word for mercy means pity or compassion. Grace is unmerited favor. Most of us have heard that over the years, but it's more than that. It's divine enablement. Grace enables you to do what you can't do on your own. Grace empowers you. I know it's by the grace of God that I can stand before you. There was a time in my life that, I mean, I was so introverted, so shy, so timid that I couldn't stand before a crowd of people. You can ask my mom growing up. Somebody to come over, and I'd literally run behind her. I'd hide behind my mom. I was so intimidated by people. I, I was so reserved, so shy. And for me to get up in front of somebody, uh, no way. It's not going to happen. But see, God's grace, because of his calling, and there's something I might have to share to next week. talk about, the calling of grace in our life. We're called by his grace by him enabling you to do something that you never thought you could do. And so uh, we'll we'll talk about that uh, maybe another time. But mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Um, You know, you think about, I I think about the song Forgiven, who's the song artist that that wrote that that. Um, anyway, the song was actually written about a real story of of a woman whose whose daughter was killed by a drunken driver. And in the court of law, this woman actually forgave this man who killed her daughter. And and demonstrated God's love in, in forgiving this person, even though they didn't deserve forgiveness. And that act of love and mercy radically changed and impacted that young man's life. And he's serving God today. You know, sometimes you say, I'm going to make them pay. They're going to suffer. And, 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 but mercy is, no, I, I have the ability to put you away for the rest of your life, but I choose to extend mercy and forgive you and let you go free. That's what Jesus did for us. Now, that's hard to understand, especially when we think of in our society today, some of the crimes committed. Injustice must be served, okay? I'm not saying that we should let all the the people that do horrific crimes go free. No, we don't do that. But yet, there's a place where God's mercy does that with all of us. And we need to understand that. See, people cry out for mercy. Have you ever heard the story about Blind Bart? Actually, Bartimaeus. I call him Blind Bart, okay? He was a blind guy in Israel, and he lived his life there, and he heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus' miracles, and one day Jesus just happens to be walking along. And so he starts crying out. He said, Son of man, Son of God, have mercy on me. He began to cry out. And people were saying, oh, be quiet. Oh, quit making a ruckus. But he only got louder. And in Mark 10, 47, the scripture says that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He began to cry out for mercy. See, there's a point in our life where we need to cry out for God's mercy. And see, that call, that cry got Jesus' attention. And Jesus came over and stopped in his journey. And he ministered to blind but healed his eyes so he is no longer blind in Matthew 9:13, we see a passage here it says go learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I, I came not to call the righteous but sinners and, and so I could share more about that but for the sake of time I just want to leave you with that thought He desires mercy. Think about our Jesus. Think about our God. He desires mercy before sacrifice or before judgment. And he's extending his mercy towards us. That's why, you know, if we continue to reject and reject and reject his mercy, eventually we will face judgment. Judgment is real. But that's not what God wants for any one of us. He wants us to receive his mercy and his grace. In fact, uh, what are three things we can say about the essence of his mercy and grace? Number one, you can write these down if you're taking notes. We receive mercy and find grace. We receive mercy, and when we receive mercy, we find grace, we discover grace. Uh, the scripture we see in, in, that parallels with this first point here, for this statement is Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow. See, this is an invitation to approach God. Think about it. Think about if you got an invitation from the governor or from a president or from some celebrity or some famous person, where you got an invitation to come to their home You'd say, wow, that's, you know, how would you respond or react? You'd probably get excited. Well, the God of the universe has given us an invitation to come into his very throne room. And we see this passage that we can come not in shame, not in fear, but in confidence we can draw near. Because when we draw near, what are we going to receive? We're going to receive his mercy. And when we receive his mercy, then we're going to find his grace. Now what's interesting, in every other passage where we see mercy and grace listed together in the same verse, grace is always listed first. We see it in First and 2 Timothy, a couple of passages, and also in Titus and 2 John, grace is listed first. This passage, however, is addressing approaching God, our approach to him. And you see, you might say, Pastor, you know, I don't know if I uh, really am worthy to approach God. Well, none of us are. And, 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 and realize worth is something that God has determined, but we often are the one that establishes worth. So if you feel that your life is worthless, that's not God. God did not determine that. God has determined you worthy of. Because of his love for you, worth saving, worth delivering, worth having a relationship with, you are worth something to God. Every human has amazing worth to God. There is no such thing as a worthless person. Although we may feel unworthy, we may be undeserving, but we are not unworthy. We can approach God because he's invited us to come to approach his throne room. To approach him and we'll find mercy we'll find grace to help how many of you need help see if you need help don't just try to deal it with on your own you know sometimes you just gotta say i need help you know just admitting you need help sometimes is a breakthrough for people because you know i, I i'm not a and you know i used to try to tackle things on my own oh, i can get this done but I've learned if I ask for help it's just so much easier. You know, if I'm I'm doing a job and and Matt's over here, coach is over there, and I'm just moving chairs or something, and he's just sitting there watching me do the job and, and I'm just sweating and working hard, I'll say, if I say, Matt, would you want to help me? Oh sure. Well, he'll pitch in. <laughs> he'll pitch right in. Yeah, he's he's just pretending there. He's a good guy, actually. Yeah. So you know, th- this is so amazing to me. And, uh, how do we approach God? We have an invitation to come to Him. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we access by faith. Faith is simply believing. That gives us access into the grace of God, his enablement, his power. Let me give you the second one here, Uh, the, the second thing that we can say about the essence of God's mercy and grace. Mercy and grace are the two attributes of God's essence that transforms our life. I'll share that again. Mercy and grace are the true are the two attributes of God's essence that transforms our life. Do I need to say it one more time? Some people are writing. Mercy and grace are the two attributes of God's essence that transforms our life. See, in his mercy he saves us and by his grace he sets us free from our sins. See, grace gives us the power and the ability to walk free from sin and live the life that God intended for us to live. It's really that simple. We see a passage that brings mercy and grace together in in Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 3. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. Feel free to turn there with me. I'm reading out of the the English Standard Version. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish. How many of you could raise your hand there? Yeah, that's me. Disobedient? Yeah, that's me. Led astray, that's me. Slaves to various passions and pleasures, that's me. Passing our days in malice and envy, uh, some of that I have to admit, even though my mom might tell you I was a perfect child. No, that's not true. Um, Hated by others and hating one another, uh, yeah, I'm guilty of some of that too. I I had some hatred in me, and I was hated by others because some people just didn't like me. That's why they beat me up in school. I I never told about that, did I? Uh, i i i was bullied you know i don't i don't uh, you know I, I, my life hasn't been ruined because i've been bullied i just learned to overcome in christ okay but all this stuff happened to me but let's read on let's just keep going on here uh, verse four but when the goodness and loving kindness of god now that is a descriptive word of his mercy okay when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, it came on the scene, okay? Verse 5, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's not because of, based on what we did, but according, notice, to his own mercy, his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Those are spiritual terms of, of what actually took place in saving our lives Verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's not only merciful, he's rich in mercy. He has enough mercy for every one of us. You can't bankrupt God of his mercy, okay? Then verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs together to the hope of eternal life. So we get this thing called eternal life because of the grace that justified us. Now, you know what the word justified means? It's, it's a term, I like to define it as just as if I never sinned, okay? That's what justified, justification is, simply not. It's just as if I never sinned. Well, how can that be? Well, that's because of God's grace. God's grace enables you and me to do what we can't do on our own, okay? And then number three, Grace doesn't allow you to do what you please. Grace allows you to do what God pleases. Oh, no, that's wrong. Let me do it over, okay? Grace doesn't allow you to do what you please. Grace allows you to do what pleases God. I'll, I'll share that again. In fact, uh, yesterday in, I was walking around the sanctuary and praying Saturday night, and I got like right here, right over here. It's over here. And that statement, that very statement came to me. So I said, okay, I, I have my iPhone with me, okay, and I, I do the voice thing, okay. I spoke that into there because I didn't want to forget that. Well, it came to me, and so I shared it as one of the points, the third point here again. Grace doesn't allow you to do what you please. Grace allows you to do what pleases God. And, and see, we need to know that, because so often grace is abused, Because people think, oh, God's grace covers it, so I'm just going to do what I want. I'm just going to sin and have a good time. The grace of God will cover it. Well, you have to be careful with that. Just read Romans chapter 6, and that will address that whole issue. But we can best define grace as God's influence upon the heart, enabling us to do what we can't do in our own ability. It is his influence upon our heart that's reflected in our life. It affects your life. His grace has a direct impact upon how you live. And it's not living ungodly, but it's living godly. It's living righteously before him. Now, grace is his enablement. Grace is seen as a a manifestation of God moving in a person's life. And we see the verse Titus 2, backing up another chapter, Turn there, Titus 2, verse 11. It says, for the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That not excludes none. It's for all people. Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace allows you to fulfill verse 12. Grace empowers you to do that to be self-controlled, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Wow, we need some of this grace, don't we, in the church? Knowing it goes on to say the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, waiting for the blessed hope. Actually, I, I need to back up. Verse 12, the end of verse 12 says, and godly lives in this present age, so we can live. God's grace enables us to live a godly life in this present age. Verse 13, waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. See, God did this to purify us for himself so that we can accomplish his work and what he wants accomplished in this world. So what are you taking away from this today? We understand that mercy and grace is manifest in salvation. It's manifest in salvation and available to us through Jesus Christ. We deserve judgment. But by receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior, we receive mercy from God and are delivered from that judgment. Instead of judgment, we receive through grace, forgiveness of sin, salvation, new life in Christ, and eternity in heaven. See, we deserve nothing from God. God doesn't owe us a thing. Anything good we experience is a result of the grace of God and his extended mercy towards us. The final passage I want to read to to you this morning, we see in Ephesians chapter 2. Starting at verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, Verse 5, even when you were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So this is something God already predetermined. So what's missing? What's missing is your acceptance of what he's already done by his grace. Verse 7 says, so that in the coming ages he might show. Oh, actually, I missed a verse. End of that other verse. Verse 5 again says, Even when we're dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. In other words, there's a whole eternity that God is going to continue to reveal and show the riches, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one should boast. I want you to bow your heads this morning, because this morning I believe you're in a place where you can encounter the grace of God. You're in a place where you can receive the mercy of God. Now, I don't know the condition of your heart, but God does. He knows exactly where you stand with Him. And maybe you haven't made your peace with God. Maybe you are not in right standing with God. But today, extended to you is an opportunity for you to receive His mercy. And then allow His grace to bring salvation to you. So that you can walk in the reality of it. So that your life can be encountered by his presence. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God. I can't say that I've really encountered his grace and his mercy. I don't really believe I'm saved. But after what I've heard this morning, I want to accept the salvation. I want to receive this gift of God's mercy and grace in my own life. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand so I can see it. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I could receive this gift that God has for me salvation okay I see that and are the others okay we're gonna pray this prayer together thank you for lifting your hand this morning those that's honesty is, is so important before God because he sees your heart he knows the condition of your heart and he wants to impact your life he wants to make himself known to you so I'm going to lead you in a prayer this prayer is simply a prayer to accept the love of Jesus to accept his forgiveness to accept the gift that he has for you the gift of his grace which brings eternal life repeat after me and everyone can pray this prayer Heavenly Father I come before you in the name of Jesus and I receive from you today I believe in my heart that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me I believe that he rose from the dead to give me new life Lord Jesus I receive your mercy today I come before the throne of your grace help me in my time of need make my life what you want it to be I receive you now Jesus Be the Lord of my life. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.